3: Yes, indeed. Hello, hello, listeners. It's time for another dose of Homo sapiens. Thank God you've waited all week.
2: Hello, I'm Alan Cumming.
3: I'm Christopher Sweeney.
2: And we may have oceans separating us, but we are together in our hearts to present to you another scintillating and fascinating interview. I'm actually really excited about
3: this interview. Me too. You're excited about something else though, Alan, aren't you? You're just telling me. (laughs)
2: Well, yes. Whilst we were chatting uh, before we came on air, there was a knock at my door—a rare, a rare thing—and uh, a car arrived up here in uh, in Canada where I'm filming. My car came, my rental car. Did you
3: get a choice of what they give you?
2: No, I didn't. But it's a nice—it's sort of silver. I can see it out the door. Oh, it's a dimpler. Is that right? A dimpler? Impala, Impala.
3: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the dimpler. <laughs> I'm going to quote Pretty Woman and say, I bet it crawls like it's on rails. <laughs> <Is that laughs> do you remember? No, I don't.
2: <laughs> it's so funny. I can never remember lines from films, even films that I'm can in. you not? Also, the other good news, oh, not good news, the other news is that it's still raining here. Surprise, surprise. Ah. It's still raining here. <laughs> and guess who doesn't like that? Lala. Correct. It's very difficult to get Miss Lala to do her morning ablutions. Uh, in fact, one part of our evolution has not been achieved this morning due to the torrential rain. So there might be an emergency <laughs> little exit during our uh,
3: interview with the lovely Liz Carr. Oh, nice yes. Segue, nice segue, smooth. It's a beautiful... She, I, I think it's what Liz would have wanted. Um, <laughs> <A poop laughs> talking segue. about Lala having a poo. <laughs> to the inimitable Liz Carr, actor, comedian, disability rights activist... Now she's just a uh, against assisted suicide activist. So many fascinating things to say about assisted suicide. And yes. actually, the first time I, first thing I saw of hers was she did this thing called Assisted Suicide the Musical, which is just <laughs> the most hilarious title ever. It was a lot of glitter and like she's just very funny, and I, I love people who can sort of take serious topics and make a point while making everybody laugh and you know she that's so, what it's all about and book. she said once i love she said this thing once to us when we we've been wanting to have her on the podcast for ye- literally years and she said oh she said oh what is it about and i said oh we kind of call it like the queer women's hour and she said well i hope it's a bit less pashmina than women's hour <laughs> 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 and i have to say only marginally <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Can't wait. I'm really excited to meet and talk to Liz. Hope you are too, listeners.
1: Obviously, lockdown, no you don't speak to anyone, so you know, excuse me if I talk too much because it's like it's company. There's humans there.
4: What the fuck?
2: So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're actually bots. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
1: care. I'm not picky.
2: <laughs> I have to say the first thing is I'm loving your background. Is that feathers on your wall?
1: So it's feathers on the back of the wheelchair. Absolutely. Oh, even Show better. Oh, yeah. I like wow. it. Thank you. From my cabaret and crypties days. <laughs> um, I thought a bit of grammar you would appreciate. <laughs> yes. uh, and then behind on my right, I have my Dolly Parton uh, display plate, fancy plate. Wow.
3: Can't tell if Liz is a fan of camp or not. I just can't work it out.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you can
1: see from there, but I've also got two pillar candles uh, with the patron saint's of Shits Creek. On the- oh, wicked. Oh, right.
2: Yes. Isn't that great?
1: Comedy doesn't make me laugh too you know, often, <laughs> but Shits Creek just did, eventually.
3: Yeah. yeah, eventually. Liz, when did people start telling you you were funny? When did you know you were funny?
1: Well, they, they were laughing at me, but I didn't know if that was because I was a prick <laughs> or not. It's fine for me to say that, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yes, for disability. Yeah. So, yes, it's really hard when uh, people do have weird views of you and stare at you and laugh at Mm. you as well. I mean, you know, they do, and they still do to this day. I think to survive, you almost become a Mm show-off. And for attention and the right kind of attention, if you can make people laugh, then it changes everything. It changes every communication. Mm -hmm. And you can sort of – you can be really sarcastic. I mean, I'm incredibly sarky. So you can say stuff in such a beautiful, passive-aggressive way, (laughs) and you're you're actually delivering a killer line. Yes. So I learned that, but also – I say this quite a lot, but I do believe it's true. I come from the Northwest. I come from the Wirral, which is near Liverpool. <clears throat> and, you know, the, the cliche is everyone's funny up there. But there is a lot of humour mm, from yeah, there. Yeah, And so my family were funny. Uh, and I think <laughs> we didn't do emotions very well. I don't think we still do. <laughs> but we did, we did humour to cover it all up.
4: Yes, yeah. <laughs>
1: so I think humour has been a survival Technique since I can remember.
2: That's like in Scotland, there's a saying called, uh, there's a saying, you, you have to laugh or you'd greet. You know, to greet means to cry. And it means yeah. you, have, it says you have to laugh or you'd cry. Yeah. And it's about why, and it sort of explains why. And I think it's also to do with class, you know, working class places where times are hard. That humor is used to sort of deal with a lot of uh, process, a lot of difficult things, mm. yep. and I think that's I think that's that's what makes it's kind of like that's why all these places have like you like you know you're saying you're talking about what I'd call patter, that
1: mm-hmm. you, you,
2: the way you engage is in a very sort of uh, pattery kind of um, fun but jabbing at people all the time kind mm. of way.
1: Completely, completely, and also you know I think this is why I got into stand up at one point. A, I do like attention, I like applause. It also it allowed you if you can make people laugh and listen mm. and you can communicate something to them I yeah. think there's nothing there's nothing better it's a, a huge rush and uh yeah I mean as much as I like doing all the acting that I do uh, and the tv stuff there's nothing like being live on stage I don't think
3: yeah nothing and just going back to the Wirral for a bit like what was that like knowing you were gay growing up around there what did you have mates who were gay as well or was it quite isolating and
2: well
1: growing up I was asexual um that that was my sort of and there is a kind of a a joke that goes you know disabled people come in three categories male female and asexual because Really? really we're not really seen as no. sexual beings mm. we're not so you get programs like there's a program called the undateables and it's like oh, isn't it lovely these two disabled people find love oh, mm. you Ugh. know and if they can then we can feel better about ourselves <laughs> Yeah, oh. right yeah yeah <laughs> so it, it's not really you know i was never it was i, I kind of wanted it but i wasn't seeing mm. relationships with people like me mm on TV mm, yeah. and I certainly wasn't seeing queer relationships
4: mm, yeah. so
1: honestly although I went to an all-girls school uh I don't think I thought about it and I, I mean I didn't I didn't um go out with a woman I've actually only been with one woman which is my wife my recruiter lesbian my wife. she proudly says that she's in the room here now with our three black cats so yeah. uh, okay um, we won't
3: say a word.
1: It's fine. <laughs> well,
4: together we are jizz. I'm, she's Jo, I'm Liz, so I'll <laughs> <our> combine names. <laughs> which, uh, That's hilarious. Which we like. That's funny. We like to. Uh,
2: <laughs> when was it? I was. I mean, I was just like spinning in my head about when was the first time I was aware of kind of sexualized expressions of disabled people? And I can't, I don't know when that was, I mean, I guess, when would, When? What was the first sort of Time you saw it.
1: So I mean, I'm not I'm not a stupid woman. I did quite well at school. I go to university. I still don't think I really. I don't know how I'm going to have a relationship and who with. You know, I kind of really. I remember thinking I'm really embarrassed. I'm like, probably they'll be a doctor because they'll know what to do with me. I mean, <laughs> oh, oh hmm. really, you know, horrible stuff. But um, I went on this course with other disabled people. I didn't really want to. I was a bit like, I'm not like them. Um, and then I went on this course and I was like, oh my God, I'm exactly like you. And, and I kind of got politicized, completely politicized as a disabled person. I didn't see it as the tragedy, as the individual tragedy that most people do. I was like, oh my God, we're a group. We're oppressed by barriers and discrimination. There's something to fight for here. It's like racism yeah. and sexism. I Now I understand it. Mm, right. uh, and it gives me an external thing to fight about and, uh, you know, and I don't have to be able to walk to have a good life. I can absolutely, I need to fight for places to be accessible and attitudes to be different. And once we took the guilt uh, away from me and put it onto the responsibility, collective responsibility of society, poof, light bulb moment changed wow, my life. Really. And that weekend, I also met my soulmate, uh, Sue Croshaw, and she was older than me, but she was married And she was a sex kitten and she was all those things and lived on her own with her husband. And I'm like, Oh, huh? Okay, fine. It's going to happen. I just, I hadn't seen it. And I didn't see it on TV, Mm. I guess, to answer your question, Mm. which, you know, what did we have? We had that guy on Crossroads. I'm talking to someone. I'm 48. Yeah, Yeah, Sandy. Sandy. (laughs) Um, So what else was, there was him on Crossroads. There was, um, a woman on El Dorado, a bit later oh, yes, on, she's about yes. my age, mm. yeah. There was Re- Reach for the Stars, y- you know. You've what was got, that?
2: What was Reach for the that, Stars? That's
1: that um, Douglas Bader film.
2: Oh, I see, yes, yes. <laughs> Douglas Bader, for those of you who don't know, was a a, 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 Ro- a Royal Air Force person and he lost his That's legs right. in an accident and then, yeah. but he triumphed and he got kind of... Um, Prosthetic legs made. and That's
1: right. And his and, wife stood by him and, you know, <laughs> yes. and all that. So you're kind of like, right, so I've got to become a hero. Yes, right? yes. Or, yeah. Something major. Or I've got my to wife find will leave war. me.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Need a war. Um,
2: a good war. And then,
1: and then everything changed because I, uh, you know, I was free. I went to university. I travel. Travel was my real love. And the more that I travel, it was interesting how many gay prides I seemed to fall into. Uh, and turn turn up at uh, so and and found a natural allegiance with queer with kink
4: mm-hmm. as
1: well. They were much more interesting mm-hmm. communities and much more welcoming communities than mainstream. So I found my place
4: mm.
1: on the outside
4: That's interesting. and on the
1: fringes. And and then I kind of I found women attractive. I found men attractive. So y- yes, I'm married to a woman. I would guess that I'm bisexual. But yeah, I, I don't feel I kind of was holding in and, and not being able to express mm. it. I think, you know, as soon as Joe said to me, come with me to that bar and I'll make it worth your while. <laughs> well, well, I felt the juices flow. That's all I'm
2: saying. <laughs> was that her opening? Uh, that really was her opening gambit.
1: Yeah. And she's Love shy. She's a, she's a baby butch, a beautiful baby butch. She's really shy. And we were a works thing, a BBC works thing together. And we were celebrating a year of doing a podcast back in the sort of 2000s.
3: You were one of the first. Pioneer.
1: She was like really shy, but she came up, they were off to another pub and I was like, no, I'm not a big drinker, I don't really want to go. And that's what she said. Her opening line to me was, I'll make it, come to the pub, I'll make it worth your while. Wow, Wow. that's
2: fantastic.
1: Which still makes me go... (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> i myself yes. like I'm wearing crinolines well, This would be um, where we
2: would have a commercial break if we had commercials to let Liz <laughs> to, to let, let, <laughs> get herself <ourselves> together <laughs>
1: So um, that was it and a week no, and then it was a couple of months and I kept thinking about her and vice versa nothing really happened and then it was a leaving do at BBC Television Centre at the bar there mm. you know, managed to get her phone number by the end of the night and that's it we were texting all night, dated a week later date started on friday she left sunday night so yeah that's it really you know and we've kind of uh, that was 13 odd
3: years ago so that's beautiful and i was um i always feel if you've read something on someone's wikipedia you have to confess uh (laughs) because it's the most lazy journalism but i did read on your wikipedia uh (laughs) that you had we tragically read wikipedia pages together yeah that's
2: how tragic (laughs) we are
3: you and me chris (laughs) yeah we're like oh look at this a lavish balance. research. Yes, but <laughs> your wedding sounded amazing. Tell us about that.
2: Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> it's funny because Joe, as I said, is shy. And it's not like we believe in the importance of marriage as a as a construct and as an idea. And it's really funny. Another lesbian couple of friends of ours were getting married and they were like, yeah, we're doing it for tax reasons. And we were like, <laughs> oh, we just want a party and <laughs> presents. Um, so we decided if we were going to do it, we were going to go big. And um, yeah. we'd both lost really important people to us over the years. Mm. I talked about my, my soulmate. I'd lost her in my twenties. Wow. Joe had lost uh, her dad and, and other relatives, of course, natural in life. And so we plumped for Day of the Dead. <laughs> so we got married on November the first, uh, which is the Mexican, or the you know celebration, yes. not just Mexican, of that's where the dead come they back. Come
2: back, yeah. Oh, how lovely, yeah.
1: So we thought That's then amazing. we can have everybody there that we want. We can have the dead and the living. Oh, I love it. Uh, the dead were cheaper, which was the <laughs> way They didn't, didn't
2: eat much. We, didn't need to food feed them, <laughs>
1: so that was fantastic. So we had, like, um, all the Mexican, the papels, the paper, banners, uh, lots of candles. We had a balcony. So when the person said, you know, you may now kiss the bride or kiss each other or whatever they said, on the balcony, a Mexican mariachi band appear Fabulous. and start playing. You know, la la, 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 la la Nobody <laughs> knew apart from us, wow. and um, it was yeah, it was quite something. In our wedding dance was pre-filmed uh, because again, Joe is shy, and we've been to, <laughs> we've been to too many weddings of disabled people where it's all a bit mawkish around the dance because people are a bit like oh. How are they going to, oh, how do they do it I do The their, first dad, their little yeah. broken legs? How do they do it? You know, they're just like, it's horrible. I mean, to be fair, I'm thinking that as well. Um, so, so I hate the wedding dance. I hate right.
2: it for everyone, Oh, I hate to to it. It's honest. awful. It's oh. awful. And then that it's, awful moment where like the best man or the dad has to come on and and just, every, no, but it's just awful someone should direct amazing- those, that's what that's what you could get a sideline in, Christopher Sweeney <laughs> directing the the first dances at weddings. People I, need to. I'm going to quote
3: Adele here, who said, "I ain't fucking doing that. I've got enough on." When someone asked her about, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it is kind of that. So we did. We had a video of it. We went to Pineapple Dance Studios. Oh, amazing! And,
4: oh, wow! Um,
1: Learned the um, dirty dancing dance and Shut had up. it adapted for us wheelchair wise, wow. uh, and learned that. So
2: and how did you go it up is. at the end? Then,
1: uh, so what we did because we filmed a lot of it, and we had that's such a um, good
2: idea, by the way, to film. Your I've dance never heard and that show. A good what idea. a fucking brilliant idea!
1: Because yeah. it took the stress off, and if absolutely, you know, it's fine for me being an exhibitionist, but if if yes. your plus one isn't, that's absolutely. not. That's and not then fun. there's no
2: pressure. You're not worrying about it all. Yeah. All day. I mean, you've got enough to worry about when you're getting married.
1: So we got, um, we got, because so we did it at our hen night and we had a burlesque uh, themed sort of hen do. So we had both Joe's, Joe's friends uh, and mine. And this is a ragtag bunch of all kinds of straight lesbians, stone lesbians, butch lesbians, you know, flamboyant, femmes, loads of disabled people with all kinds of God knows what's wrong with them. And um, all doing burlesque. So the blessed teacher, Joe King, was there, amazing woman, and we're doing it in Islington on the high street, on Upper
2: Street.
4: And on the street, next.
1: yeah. Oh, <laughs> and great. the venue is next to the fire brigade, so she goes in and gets some firemen, so they do the lift.
2: Wow, ah, wow. oh, that's so amazing,
1: it's bonkers, really, but yeah, a lot of fun, and um. Oh, I'd love to see that. That
2: sounds amazing. I
1: think it's on YouTube. Shut up. Is is
3: it on on YouTube? Wow. Well, it it wasn't on your Wikipedia, so how are we supposed (laughs) to know?
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
0: Well, no, what's really funny
1: about Wikipedia is that they've got my medical condition on it, okay? So there's a thing in this world if you're a disabled person then people are obsessed with what's wrong with you. Yes. But they've got it wrong. <laughs> oh, they, my God. Because some, somebody once put, they've assumed what I've got, they put it, and now everyone, that's all, because everyone goes to Wiki. But, and then
2: it's so difficult to correct your own Wikipedia page. Have you tried, Liz?
1: Because <laughs> no. I quite like this. But you like the like fact, fact that it's the, the wrong...
4: Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> people always want to know, and I think, it really tells you nothing about who I am. I mean, imagine right. if we'd started this interview and I tell you what's wrong with
4: mm. me. Yes, yes. You, mm.
1: you don't learn a thing about me, not really. You get a Latin term of eight syllables. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So yeah. it kind of it amuses me. But um, somebody from, like a trustee from the charity of this other condition contacted me. <laughs> <laughs> we'd like to invite you to the board of trustees. <laughs> and I, but I said, the problem is I don't have that condition. And they were like, yes, you do. You do, because it says so on. With-
3: it's like, with a wink. <laughs> I won't tell anyone yes. if you don't. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> We've got a it fundraiser. Was, was a
1: yes. <laughs> That's
2: yes. hilarious.
3: Oh, my God. So, yeah. one, one of the things we were talking about earlier, you know, is Assisted Suicide, the musical, Which which I came to see,
4: um,
3: and I love. It was brilliant, and it was funny, and it was so you.
1: I think that's a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Say a bit more about that. Only problem was
3: it it was so you, Um, but no, it was it was so funny and touching and mischievous. I always think of you and mischief, and but it made you think. And actually, you know, from an education standpoint i was really i was actually really fascinated by the your take because i didn't think that would be your take
1: well i think um assist. i wrote the Sister suicide the musical and devised it with the cast the idea originally was was came from i, I thought the title was amazing yeah.
4: yes but
1: absolutely when people hear the title and that it's me doing it they would assume that i would be pro assisted suicide and euthanasia mm. and mm-hmm. that's because of how i appear i look frail and little and like I've been ill in my life and I have Mm. and of course most of the people that we see talking about this when we're asking to change the law they are people that look like me or who have become disabled usually Mm. so I think the assumption always is gosh if you were like that probably you would want to end your life Mm. and in actual fact my experience is that particularly those who've been disabled most or all of their lives are fighting like hell to stay alive Mm. It's right. actually the opposite. It doesn't mean that everything's rosy. It doesn't mean that they don't want choice and they don't... But actually, they're really quite concerned. I, I had been on news nights. I had done a thing with Terry Pratchett on, uh, where he had talked about changing the law and I put the oppositional view. Mm. But the problem is the only people opposing assisted suicide publicly, because no celebrity is ever going to put their name to this, mm. because you, you get a lot of vitriol and a lot of hatred,
4: Mm, mm.
1: so the only people saying this is not a good idea are the catholic church oh. so on any debate there'd be me and the bishop for god's sake <laughs> and you're on a you you, were, you know you're sitting there in his mitre and then there's little old <laughs> me and then there's all did you have these, your
2: feathers on the back of the wheelchair you know, <laughs> i mean
1: to be fair at least i could win the gay male uh, contingent <laughs> I think. But, you know the fact is you, you're just not going to win when you've got particularly a, lib- a liberal voice saying,
2: you yeah. know, so mm. it's think, not like you know, it's, it's sort of like I was thinking that it's, a, it's sort of a sexy thing, isn't it? In terms of the way people support things in our society right now. Mm.
1: Absolutely. And none of us want to be seen. It's seen that if you're saying I don't support it, you must be therefore supporting suffering. Mm. So, mm. I mean, if you're if you're against and if you see assisted suicide as ending suffering, then not wanting a law must mean you encourage and want suffering.
4: Mm, and of right. course,
1: that's what you're trying to put across mm. is actually, you can oppose it. The reasons that are about, you know, I look at the NHS, and I go, really, do we want it to be in the hands of the NHS? God love them. But they've got enough on their plate.
4: Yeah.
1: And you can't even get an appointment to go to your GP. So why would you then trust the GP that you hardly ever see?
3: And also, yeah, if,
1: this major with, decision? As it moves
3: yeah. more and more towards becoming a commercial entity, then they need that bed and it's not making any money. So you, is, it,
2: Liz, is it sort of that also you see it as a kind of a slide, a slippery slide towards sort of eugenics and, and, and becoming more prevalent?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really hard at the moment as well, because we've been hearing that there's more calls for it in different countries. Um, And, you know, at the same time, I'm part of a demographic as a disabled person who are most affected by COVID and whose lives are disproportionately being lost due to COVID. Um, But equally, there were, you know, at the beginning when this was all coming out, certainly in the UK, there were horrific guidelines um, about who would get treatment and who wouldn't. Mm. And that's when you see, you know, the thing we're going to see with COVID over the next few years, I think particularly with the vaccine, is how we value and who we value. Mm,
4: Totally. This
1: is not just, this is about disability by any means. Mm. And so whenever I campaign, I guess, on assisted suicide, I'm kind of saying there are whole groups of people that I think need to be careful who aren't treated well by the healthcare system, by the welfare system, even though relatively we're treated pretty well compared to most countries,
4: actually.
1: Um, But it... It does worry me that countries where they have introduced it uh, and I, I, I toured all of those countries, Ooh, lucky me and Joe, um, <laughs> that it does lead to kind of it starts with just those who are going to die soon and the are terminally ill. But then it becomes, well, that's, hold on, that's discrimination. Because what if you've been living with pain
4: mm-hmm.
1: and what if you're going to live until you're 60 or 70, but in pain? Mm. shouldn't that person have the right to end their life more than somebody who's about to die in a month and it's not saying we shouldn't have these discussions by the way at all but it's kind of going i instead of the slippery slope in the musical i called it the liberal wedge
3: oh yeah go and explain that i remember that
1: well an example of it would be civil partnerships for gay people so it began about us it began about us wanting the same rights as everybody else but then non-gay people wanted the right to a civil partnership. Oh,
4: yeah. So
1: as soon as you grant rights and make it about rights and discrimination, then it has to be across the board. So civil partnerships should be for everybody. So assisted suicide shouldn't just be for those at the end of their lives, it should be for everybody. And I guess one thing I kind of, th- this is where it began from. There was a case on TV. This is what took me onto Newsnight. There was a young guy and he had been injured in a rugby accident and he had become quadriplegic and he wanted to die and he went to Dignitas to die.
2: Mm -hmm. Could you just explain what that is?
1: Sorry. So Dignitas is is, um, a place in Switzerland where wherever you're from in the world, it's the one country Switzerland who accept anyone from anywhere in the world if they want help to end their life. So it's an assisted suicide clinic. And certainly in the UK, it's the one we hear about a lot. Yeah. Is Dignitas, but there are many others there as well. And he wanted to go and he begged his parents to go. Now, there's two things to say about this this is not about him and this is not about his parents and what happened. This is feeling so sad that a guy who had this accident, so his life, he's gone from being a, a you know, a, if, it, this time when he's playing rugby. So that, that suggests a type of guy, yeah. type of young man, his world ahead of him. Yeah. And he then becomes a wheelchair user who can't u- move from his neck down he's in mourning. He's got a lot to deal with. Yeah. And he just wanted to die. And so within, I think it was just over a year of, of that happening, he went to Dignitas and died. And I think big change like that takes, takes a long, long time. time.
2: Yes, exactly. There's a lot
1: of grieving. There's a lot of finding who you are, a lot of shit stuff. Mm. I mean, and again, I'm not underplaying that, but the press almost unanimously were saying how brave he was and how brave his family were for letting this happen. Wow. So me going on the TV going, I don't think it was brave. Why are we not asking, why did this young man want to end his life? Mm-hmm. In the way that we do about any suicide normally. Yeah. When somebody wants to end their life, we do everything we can and we should to give people that hope or to say, why do you want to end your life? Can we do anything to stop you doing that? We, normally we do. But when it's an assisted suicide to do with disability or illness or age, we suddenly stop asking that so much. So the and mental we, health
2: part was totally not not included in the equation. Absolutely, because the yeah.
1: mental health, the, the way the mental health goes is if you're like that, of course you'd want to die.
3: Mm. This sort of societal so tacit agreement that there are certain versions absolutely. of life which aren't worth living. It's fascinating. Go and on.
1: I think that's it. So So my kind of, you know, there's a song in the musical and I don't sing throughout, I'm not particularly a singer, but the idea with musical theatre and the reason I chose musical theatre is, you'll, you'll know this, Alan, is that you, you sing in musical theatre in, in, in a musical when words aren't enough, when speech is not mm. enough, when you can't be heard and say the emotions in any other way. And so I knew I could not debate this to a wider audience in any other way than creating a sort of comical easy-to-digest piece of mm. theatre.
2: That's a really but, <clears throat> clever use of the musical form to get I
1: think so. that and kind if, of
2: message across.
1: And I sort of felt that, like a musical, we were all clapping along, mm. saying it was a good... You know, I go to musicals and I just love the scent. I did not even care what I'm singing. Mm. And I felt that about this as an issue. I felt like people are just going, hey, <laughs> I'm singing a lot, and weren't stopping to realise the words are coming out. But I didn't have the words anymore. And I had so much passion that, so there's one song or the main song that I do. And it's basically sort of saying, I know that you couch this in terms of choice. Choice is such an important thing, we think. But actually we don't really have that choice. We don't have as much choice as a society that you'd like to imagine. Mm. And sometimes having choice is a bad thing. Mm -hmm. So my fear is for whole groups of people that if we allow assisted suicide to be easier, I'm not sure that that's a good thing, mm. because I'm not sure we're doing all the other things to make their lives better.
2: Right, right.
1: So, at a time when particularly poverty and austerity and the value of certain groups of people is kind of very much in the, you know, in the news and and on the agenda, is making it acceptable a good thing?
4: Mm.
1: Don't know.
2: And our health services absolutely crushed with, with uh, you can sort of imagine that, oh, that an easier option, a cheaper option, all those things come into, could come into play.
1: I, re- I really feel, I mean, and I get this, because I can be looked at in two ways. If people know that I've been on telly, you know, that status that that seems to confer, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I can, uh, uh, so I have helpers, personal assistants, and um, paid for by social services. So absolutely, we're in mm. a great country uh, that I have that. Because I couldn't go to the loo and do things like that without these people. So not so many months ago, but before sort of lockdown and COVID, I was trying to get a cab. And the cabbies often don't want to stop for wheelchair user because they'll have to stop and get the ramp out. So our technique is I hide, (laughs) and then my PA goes and she hails the cab. (laughs) And then when they've stopped, I come out Like, ha and it's much harder for them, yeah. right? You
2: can't do it then, yeah.
1: That's it. So that was happening, and I couldn't get through. It was a busy road, and I couldn't get past it, but it was a wide road. There was no reason. It wasn't raining. And she's speaking to the cab, and he's like, what, you want the ramps? He said, oh, it's just too much faff. No, he wouldn't get the ramps out. She gets into a row with him. I can finally make my way over to the cab. He sees me, but if it's for her, of course, uh-huh. any day gets out the cab, um, but there's, so there's people, you know, I get looked on in two ways. There's either people that see me and, and give me more value than I deserve in a way, but just because I'm on TV mm,
4: yeah,
1: um, and the power that that confers. And there's a whole other group of people who don't know who I am and just look at me with such contempt and who I know must think, and, and I, you know, I know this because we talk about it in the musical and it's a, it is a, a a cliche, but a, a thing that happens is that almost all visibly disabled people have at some point been asked, you know, or said, if I was like you, I think I'd rather be dead.
4: Wow. Ugh. God,
1: You know, and and in fact, even the the night that, that, you know, that I met Joe or properly met Joe, Mm -hmm. when she said, I'll make it worth your while. Mm -hmm. Yes. By the way, she didn't make good on that promise that night. Well, she's a lady. It's worked out. (laughs) She didn't specify
2: a time (laughs) skill.
1: This is true. She did not specify a time. But we're outside. We're outside the pub. And I'm with the podcast people. Mm. And it's a disability podcast. So there's two blind people with guide dogs. There's a man, Matt Fraser, who I did podcast with. Mm. lidomide, so, you know, short arms. There's me. We're a gaggle, mm. okay? We are a gaggle. A homeless woman comes up to me and puts a pound coin on the car. God. So I'm working at the BBC. Oh I'm not in dire straits. Yeah. But a homeless woman thinks I'm more deserving than she is. And again, it's not about her, bless her, giving me that. That's really no, generous. Lovely, yeah. But it states how I can be
3: seen. Guys, that's fascinating. I love Liz. That's the end of part one. Part two is also available in your feed. Go and have a listen. It just gets better and better with her. I love her.
0: Hold up. What was that?